Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Beginning in verse 16, if you're there, say amen. Well, some of y'all not there. We'll wait a second. Matthew chapter 11, verse 16. If you're there, say amen. Amen. To what Jesus says, shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. For John came neither eating or drinking And they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton, a wine bibber, an alcoholic, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. And then he began in verse 20 to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they could have repented, would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, in verse 22, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which were done in you had had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. And at that time, in verse 25, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to people who are humble, to babies. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. If you haven't been with us, we have been going verse by verse to the Gospel of Matthew. We've so far covered Matthew chapter 1, chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. If you have not been here for those studies, you can order them on CD or a tape copy. And it's in those verses, in chapter in verses 1 through 15, that John the Baptist is sitting in prison. If you've been with us, you know. And he's in this place in his life where he is full of doubt and despair concerning the Messiah. 
The people have rejected John's message. They've rejected the message of the Messiah. And so here in verse 16, in light of the fact that they have, listen, rejected John's message and rejected the message of the Messiah or Jesus is speaking and they have rejected him. Jesus looks at this generation of people and he says, how can I liken you? Or what can I compare you to? It's almost as if Jesus is standing back. The people rejected John's message. They've rejected the message of Messiah. Jesus stands back. He looks at the people. He says, you know, what can I liken you to? How can I, what can I compare you to? Jesus says, I know, I know. They, you are like children, spoiled kids sitting around in the marketplace and you don't know what you want to play. And so some say, well, let's play wedding. We'll pipe the flute. We'll dance. We'll act happy. We'll have a good time and, and have fun. Let's play the flute. And they say, no, I don't want to play that. And then some say, well, look, if you don't want to be happy, then let's be bummed out. They say, they say, well, why don't we play funeral, which is morbid. But, but well, why don't we play funeral? I mean, we'll all dress in black and we'll all mourn like professional mourners. And they say, we don't want to play that. So they don't want to do this and they don't want to do that. They don't want to play this and they don't want to play that. They look at John and they say he's demon possessed. They look at Jesus and say, well, he's an alcoholic, a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors. They don't know what they want. Jesus says, you people don't know what you want. Because now they've got two examples. Well, you look at John and Jesus, they were actually quite very much different. Did you notice? Oh, you know, and, and you know, when people looked at Jesus or when they looked at John and they, they would say, well, he has a demon. Hey, you got to admit, I mean, John was kind of weird. I mean, John was weird. I mean, think about it. This guy just shows up. <laughs> this guy just shows up. And, 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 and he's got, you know, long hair and, and just, you know, his diet is, is wild honey and locust. Hello. Yeah, wild honey and locust. Got long hair wearing a camel hair Armani suit in the wilderness, crying out to people, repent, repent. Every time somebody came to John, John say, repent. You see, John was more into fasting than feasting. And so John didn't have that many friends. I mean, he invited people over for dinner. Come on over, we're fasting. Oh, I don't think so, thank you. Or you come over for dinner, and as soon as you come in the door, he says, repent, you brood of vipers. You're like, ah, okay, uh, we shouldn't have come here. You see, so John was more into fasting than feasting. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, he was more into feasting than fasting, which is why I'm more like Jesus. Because I'm more into feasting than fasting. If you are, say amen. Of course you are. They call this place Calorie Chapel. Did you know that? We eat at everything. And so Jesus, now Jesus liked to have a good time. John was into fasting. Jesus was in the feasting because Jesus would tell us that there is going to come a time in which fasting will be necessary. There will come a time where fasting will be good. It will be appropriate. It will be right for that time. But now Jesus is saying it's not the time. When they were with Jesus, now was the time to enjoy fellowship, to enjoy the partying and enjoying each other and having fun. Jesus was a fun guy. Where do people get these portraits painted of Jesus and he looks so boring? That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus was in the feasting. Jesus loved 
people. And they even said of him, which, by the way, is the only thing that they said right of him when they said he's a friend of tax collectors and a friend of sinners. And that's the only and even in that they said it in a derogatory way. He's a friend of tax collectors and he's a friend of sinners. I like to say sinners. Yeah, just a friend of sinners, Jesus. And yes, he was. But it's the only statement that they actually said was right. John most certainly was not demon possessed. And, you know, Jesus was not a wine bibber and a gluttonous man or an alcoholic. Absolutely not. But the one thing they did say was true. Yes, my Jesus is a friend of sinners. Thank you, Lord. You're a friend of sinners because I was a sinner. And you were a sinner and we still are sinners. And yet he is a friend of sinners. When everybody else turns their back on you, Jesus will never turn his back on you because he's your friend. He says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Did you know? So he's a friend. You know, when, when, when everybody turns their back on you, when people write you off, Jesus will never write you off. It makes me think of that song. It says that Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong. They are weak. You got to do this part with me. Okay. They are weak, but he is strong. You got to do that. I mean, grow up or not. I mean, you got, he is strong. Jesus loves all the kids, red, yellow, black, and white. Everybody's precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children. That would be me and that would be you. So he is a friend of tax collectors and he's a friend of sinners just like me. Now notice in verse 20 in your Bible, then Jesus begins to pronounce woes on the cities that have rejected him. Now let me tell you something. You don't want to hear Jesus say to you, woe. This is not a good thing, okay? Woe is not a good thing. We as believers, we want to hear Jesus say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter now into the joy of the Lord. Yeah, we want to hear him say that. But you don't want to hear, when Jesus sees you, you don't want to hear him say, Whoa, this would not be good, <laughs> okay? And so he begins now to pronounce a series of woes on the cities that have rejected him. Woe unto thee, Chorazim. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for the mighty works that were done in you were done in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented, but you did not. Now, remember, we talked about this in the past. Taking notes, write this down. Knowledge brings responsibility. Knowledge brings responsibility. And so these cities, Bethsaida, Chorazim, and even Jesus' hometown, Capernaum, they saw and they heard so much and they experienced so much and yet they rejected him. Interesting. And this makes me think of our country, by the way. We have seen so much I mean, do you know in this country, in America, we have more Bibles in this country than anywhere else in the world? I, I've got 10 of them on my bookshelf right now. Two of them right here in the pulpit. 
We've got more Bibles in this country than anywhere else in the world. There are some places still in the world that do not have a Bible. There are some communities and some villages that share a Bible and they literally tear the pages out of their Bible. You know, some people are like, well, don't don't drop the Bible. Don't put the Bible on the floor. The Bible's holy. Oh, the Bible's not holy. Will you hear me? The Bible is not holy. The words that he spoke are holy. Amen, saints. This book is now everybody in it. We all got a different Bible. Some of y'all got the student Bible. Some of y'all got the heresy Bible. Some of y'all got the King, the new King James Bible. Some of, there's all kind of Bibles in this room. So when you tear the pages out of the Bible, you're not desecrating the God's word. It's a book. It's a leather bound book. Now the words that are written on these pages, they are holy. They are God breathed. Amen, saints. And so what we have is some communities who will rip the pages out of the Bible and give it to their friend. Their friend is going 25 miles away so that that community can begin to read the Bible. And they tear the Bible to pieces because they only have the one and they share it and they read it and they study it and they pass around the pages and, and, and study the word of God. Some places don't have what we have. We've got Bible on DVD, MP3, VHS. Uh, uh, turn on the TV at any given day, any given moment, and you can hear the Bible taught. And don't you know that if we have this much knowledge, don't you know that God is going to hold us responsible for the knowledge that we have because knowledge brings responsibility? Any country, any people, any church, God will hold us accountable for that which we know. That's why I told you in the past, should I remind you again, that coming to church is dangerous. Did you know? Coming to church is dangerous. Why? Because you come in this place on Wednesday night, for example. And by the way, this coming Wednesday night, we are beginning a verse-by-verse study in the book of Ruth. Great time for you to join in. Chapter 1, verse 1, the book of Ruth. Awesome study. This coming Wednesday night, we go through the word of God on Wednesday, through the Old Testament on Wednesday, and through the New Testament on Sunday mornings. And so you come... Each Wednesday and you come each Sunday and you hear the word of God taught. And, 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 and what you're doing is you're acquiring knowledge and you're learning. And so God's going to hold you accountable for that which you know. So if you come to church on Wednesday and you come to church on Sunday, you know a lot. Now, I can see what some of you are thinking. I better stop coming to church. Oh, that's the kind of not what I'm saying. Amen, saints. You know what I mean. I'm just simply saying that ignorance is not bliss as it relates to spiritual things. God is going to hold us accountable for that which we know. And so Jesus says to Chorazim, Bethsaida, and even to his hometown Capernaum, who saw the miracles and they heard him speak, and yet it did not cause them to repent. Therefore, there will be stricter judgment because knowledge brings about responsibility. And it is very interesting. Look at your map in your own time. These three cities no longer exist. Interesting. Man, I just came from Israel. I know. These three, three cities no longer exist. Now, in Capernaum, I had the opportunity to preach in Capernaum, but it's not a city. Capernaum is an archaeological find. It's a discovery. It's a place where we believe it. Well, of course, we know it's Jesus' hometown, but, but, but they're in the temple. It's not a city because the city doesn't really exist anymore. 
and Chorazim and Bethsaida. Look on your map. You won't find them. Why? Because Jesus pronounced a curse upon them. Notice in your Bibles, look at it again in Matthew chapter 11 in verse 25. Notice it says at that time, what time? The time of their rejection of the messenger of the Messiah. That would be John the Baptist and the Messiah himself. In that time, it was Jesus. Did you notice this in verse 25? He turns to the father. Have you ever seen this? And here we have The Lord's Prayer. He turns to the Father. It's like this intimate moment of Jesus' prayer. And he said, I thank you, Father, that you have revealed yourself to babes, not to the wise. In other words, God reveals himself and reveals spiritual things to babies, to those who are humble. But the wise people, the scoffers, the self-righteous, the intellectual folks, the smart people, who don't believe they need God, who say I can become my own God, who says that money is my God, education is my God, whatever it is, fill in the blank. It's those people that God hides himself from. But to those who say, God, I'm broken. God, I'm humble. God, I I need you. They are babies. It is to those people God reveals himself. So when you come to him and you say, God, I need you, I'm humble. God, I I need you to mend my life back together. God says, sure. And he reveals himself to you. By the way, do you know this is how a person gets saved? Do you know? You cannot be saved unless the father reveals the son to you. You cannot be saved. The Bible says no man comes unto the father except by the son. The father has to open their eyes. Now we all have many people that we have been trying to get to know Christ, trying to get them to see, man, you don't get it. Why don't you get it? Can't you see this? Don't you see? And they go, no, I don't see it. Why? Because the father hasn't revealed himself to them. Why? Because maybe because they're scoffers and mockers and they're wise in their own eyes and in their own deceit. And God hasn't revealed himself to them because he doesn't reveal himself to people who are not humble. And Jesus said to the father, he says, I thank you, God. Those are the people that you reveal yourself to. That's how people get saved. You see, that's why, you know, how many times have you heard people say to you, they'll say, you know, especially like in a mocking kind of patronizing way, they say, you know, I'm glad you found God. Raise your hand by show of hands. Somebody ever say to you, I'm glad you found God. You ever that, that? Look, that's not, I don't like when people say it to me. Don't tell me that. Because I didn't find God. Because God wasn't lost. I don't know what's up with that. You know, I'm glad you found God. Hello, God wasn't lost. And I didn't find him. As a matter of fact, he came and found me. When I became a Christian, I wasn't even looking for him. How's that? I wasn't thinking, man, tomorrow is January 23rd, 1982. You know, I think I'll get saved. It just happened. I wasn't expecting it. It just happened. I'm glad it happened. And I know you're glad you got saved in the day that you did. But God revealed himself to me. And it's in that time that I came to know him. God's revelation of himself comes through the son. Jesus is the perfect revelation of the father. Amen, saints. Now look in your Bibles again in verse 28. Notice in verse 28, if you're there, say amen. Come to me, Jesus says, all, circle that, who labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Read verse 30 with me, if you will. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Someone once wrote of these words. They said these are the dearest and the sweetest words ever heard by mortal ears. These words have charmed and comforted the hearts of people in every age, every sense they were spoken. Isn't that true? Now, some of your Bibles, talking about Bibles, some of your Bibles have the red letter edition. I have the red letter edition. We know that the words that are written in red letters are the words of Christ or Jesus Christ. Very good. But these words, now listen, these words come unto me, all you who who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. These words, you would not need these words to be in red letters to know that Jesus spoke them. You wouldn't need the red letters because Who would ever dare, who could ever dare to say, come unto me if you labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Who would ever dare to say that but Jesus? You don't need red letters to know that that's him talking. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Now the question, let me ask you a question. Who does the Lord invite to come? Who? Now, y'all can talk right here. This is an appropriate time. Okay? If you talk and I don't ask you, then I have to throw you out. But, if, but now's the time to talk. Okay? I'm asking you a question. Who does the Lord invite to come? All. Everybody. Now, in the Greek language, all means all, say it with me, and that's all, all means. You're all Greek scholars. <laughs> all means all, and that's all, all means. He's inviting all to come. Now, this is wedding season, May, June. People get married. I've got several weddings planned to officiate on my calendar this month, next month. Wedding season. And, you know, have you noticed this? And maybe it's just me. But you get these wedding invitations and, you know, the nice white envelope. And inside the envelope, there's six other envelopes. Have you, have you noticed that? And, and so, you know, this grand invitation and, and you've got all these envelopes. And, and I, I don't know why so many envelopes. I don't know what to do with them all. I get confused. So I'm like, why so many envelopes? And then inside the envelope of the envelope, the envelope, and the envelope, there's a piece of tissue. What is that for? Blow your nose? I mean, what is in preparation for the tears and the wedding? I mean, what kind of what is that? And so, I, I don't know, things I think about. But, and I'm reading the invitation, and, and, and on the wedding invitation, oftentimes, you really don't know who's invited. So you have to call the bride and the groom, and you say, hello, are my kids, are kids invited? Are they able to come? And they say, no, leave your bratty kids at home. No kids coming. You know, you don't know who's invited from the invitation. But here, as Jesus speaks, we know exactly who Jesus invites. Who is he inviting? All, everyone, anyone. He says, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Now notice this word or this phrase, all who labor. This word labor, if you're taking notes, it means to be weary to the point of exhaustion. 
almost to remind us of the verse in Proverbs 6, 9. And it says, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Which is what I say to my kids in the morning. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? (laughs) Arise from your sleep. But that speaks of exhaustion, okay? Did you know this? Listen to this. I thought this was interesting. Listen to this. If you are the average weight and height, which most of us are not, but okay, fine. If you are the average weight and height, this is what your body will go through in an average 24-hour period. Your heart will beat 103,689 times. Your blood will travel 168 million miles. Your heart will pump approximately 64 ounces of blood per beat. You will breathe 23,000 times, inhaling 438 cubic feet of air. Your stomach will intake three and a half pounds of food and 2.9 quarts of fluid or liquid. If you are a man, you will speak 4,800 words. If you are a woman, You will speak seven million words. <laughs> you have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.